Amen. Please take your seats, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Great. So, I wonder if a couple of people could perhaps just help me to pass it on that side and cast your mind just those around on that side. It's great. So uh, what we're passing out here is this little um, uh, leaflet we've put together called Sitting at the Feet of Jesus, which is the theme of this week, which is just what we were doing exactly then, is creating that space, allowing God to come to us, allowing us to open up our heart to him. So that's what this week is all about, and you finding the right rhythm and pace to enable you to do that. Um, and then in here, we've got prayers that have been written um, for each day uh, based on the Lord's Prayer. So um, I'm going to encourage you to pray on Monday, Tuesday, the different prayers that are put down there. That's great. Thank you, Michelle. Today, I want to focus on this theme of, of sitting at the feet of Jesus I want to use the story of Mary and Martha to help to focus our thoughts on, on that idea. And I, I want to talk principally about this idea of, of posture. Uh, posture is really important, isn't it? You can get RSI if you don't have the right posture. You know, you're on your computer screen that much nowadays that if you don't have the right posture, you can end up getting these problems and pains in your wrists and things like that. Posture is really important in sport. Um, as you know, I've tried to play golf on and off over the years, more off than on, and now it's completely off. That's just, you know, I don't like the sport, I don't like the game, I think it's horrible, it's a waste of time, and I can't do it, so I've fallen out with it. But what I did try to learn in golf is that posture is really important. I never mastered it, but they tell me that if you can master the posture, you'll be able to hit the ball accurately and get it to go in the direction and the distance that you wanted it to go. To be truthful, I never either got it to go the distance nor the direction and so packing up the stupid sport sounded like a good idea to me, and that's what I've done. But it was nevertheless a lesson in posture. How we posture ourselves in a relationship, in a work setting, in a home, in a friendship, all matters because our posture speaks a message. In fact, some wise person once wrote or said, I can't forget, forget which, but I remember it so well because... I've seen it to be true so many times. If somebody says something, you, something to you with their lips, but their body language gives a different message, always believe the body language because the body language never lies. That's a little lesson in psychology that we've all learned this morning. And it's so, so true. Because there's something about our disposition that gives us away, as it were. So... Posture really matters, and lots of injuries result from poor
poor posture, as we've just mentioned. And I want to suggest to us this morning that in terms of our faith, our posture really matters. Because our posture determines the extent to which our faith grows and develops within us. And by posture, I suppose I'm thinking, yeah, literally posture, but I'm thinking attitude, I'm thinking understanding. And so I want to go on a little bit of a journey to ask ourselves some of the questions as to what can help you and me improve our posture, particularly on a week like this when we're thinking, what does it mean for me to sit at the feet of Jesus? Well, I think what we just experienced then in just having a moment's silence and just standing quietly was actually a posture. We chose to do that. And in doing that, certain things happened. We reflected maybe on, am I drawing close to God at this time? Is he saying anything to me? Adversely, we may have been thinking, this is getting boring now. I wish Stephen would draw it to a close and move on and do something different. Or maybe we sat awkwardly in the silence because we didn't quite know what to do with that particular posture. Sometimes silence is, is more difficult to handle than the noise, particularly when we live in a very noisy world. But it was a posture. And it was a posture that enabled us to think spiritually about our lives and our relationship with Christ and with Jesus. So I want us to think about posture this morning. I want to use this story to help to unpick that for a little while. And as we think about our posture going through this week, uh, I just want to throw out a few um, tools that I think can be helpful in that journey for you to consider taking with you um, as we try and intentionally think about our relationship uh, with Christ. Uh, the first thing I'd encourage you to take with you on, on, on the journey is, is your Bible, which I know is sort of a, a statement in the obvious, uh, but, but nevertheless, sometimes, you know, um, I have a, a warmer, closer relationship with the Scriptures than, than others. Um, I've spoken before on, on numerous occasions of, of having gone back to the paper text rather than the electronic one, although I do find myself mingling between uh, both of them nowadays. Um, but um, if, if, you, if you choose, this has been my experience anyway, if you, if you choose a Bible that you sort of make your own and really own, it sort of becomes quite personal to you and quite personal to your devotional walk. And I do think there can be a real value and a real help in that. Um, if for no other reason, as you get older, you need as many aids as you can to remember Scripture because uh, your mind is not as sharp as what it used to be when you were younger. Um, I'm sadly finding that to be more the case nowadays. Uh, and so if I have a Bible with me and I've underlined it, I can find my way around and I find that really helpful. Um, the other thing I think is, is useful on, on the journey is to... Consider what might be some of those favorite, well-treasured songs that when you put them on, it almost always helps to take you to that place. Um, and maybe they're songs that you've played many times, maybe you're really familiar with them, maybe it's just a fresh one that you're coming to know, but I'd encourage you to consider the place of music 
in your spiritual walk and journey and, and how that can help you for, to get from one posture to a different posture and into an environment and a place where you can really start to connect with God and feel his presence and know that he's with you and draw close to him. So do think maybe about what some of those songs might be and how they might help you, particularly in a week like this when we're trying to, to focus. Um, I'd encourage you to, to take the prayers um, that have been written, written um, keep those with you through the week and pray them and then pray them again and contemplate and think upon them. Um, as you're praying them, you, you're, you're already having a focus on the Lord's Prayer. The most important prayer in the Scriptures is then at the forefront of your thinking because you, you're praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. So there's a lot of value in that as well. So, so take that leaflet, keep that with you. Maybe write a few bits and notes here if things come to mind. There's a little piece on the back there, just a little place where you can jot a few notes down if they come to you when you're thinking, contemplating, praying, listening, whatever. And, and just allow that to be a little resource um, in, in your hand. Um, it's always good, I think, to have, a, you know, a notepad and pen around, um, or maybe you take your notes electronically on your phone, however you might choose to do that. Um, but, but always be prepared. Um, I think this is true both spiritually, but I found it to be naturally the case as well. Uh, did anybody ever, like, wake up um, from a dream or have a thought in the night, and you think, that's a really, really good thought. I must remember that when I wake up in the morning and you don't do anything with it, and then you wake up in the morning, you're getting into your day, and think, what on earth was that thought? It felt so precious, so valuable, so important at the time that I had it, but I just couldn't get myself compass enough to write it down, and, and it's gone. Put yourself in a position so that you can capture it, so that you can hold it, so that it can become part of your spirituality and your journey as we you know, think about what it means to, to sit at the feet of, of Jesus. Use previous scriptures that have been important to you in the past as a gateway of taking your journey forward. So if there are scriptures that have been familiar to you, maybe scriptures that have been a, a help and a real benefit to you, then, then, then hold those precious and, and keep them to the forefront of your devotion and your spiritual walk. Because if God has used those in the past to speak to you, there's a good chance he'll use them again in the future to work things in your heart and, and in your life. And if you have any particular passages of Scripture or times when you really felt God spoke to you through Scripture, then, then do take those as valuable as well. Um, I've put a few of them down here, Scriptures that have been important either to me personally or to us as a fellowship, as I've sought to, to lead us over the years. Um, I've got this one. I'm going to put it on the screen uh, from Joshua, chapter 1. For those of you who've been around a long time, you'll have heard me talk about this scripture uh, many times. But it's one that is a foundational scripture to my life. In John, uh, Joshua 1, verse 7, it says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Uh, this scripture 
is a scripture that God dropped in my heart at an Assemblies of God conference in Minehead. I would have been late teens at the time, and I'd listened to this guy, Alan Bott, speaking, and he talked about Deuteronomy and about breaking camp and moving forward, and I could feel God in those years stirring my heart towards um, uh, potentially ministry and, and all that type of, of sort of thing. And then, so I went back to my chalet. Gosh, they were rough chalets back in them days, I tell you. And, and I knelt by this little bed that was in this chalet and I opened up my heart to God and offered my life to him to serve him and God made clear and spoke to me out of these verses and they've stayed with me ever since. So whenever times get difficult or hard, I can return back to these scriptures because they're like foundational scriptures in my life, something that really meant something to me and so they stay with me. And so in a week like this, you know, visit any of those passages that have been important to you over the context of the years. Here's another one. This, this scripture came to me when I was leading an organization called Open Hands at the Christian Center, and I was involved in, uh, uh, in, in shops there, which you know we, we then bought here and, and have developed here. Uh, and these, this scripture from Deuteronomy came to me uh, one day uh, when I've been reflecting and praying. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And, and, and that scripture became quite important to me because there's like an entrepreneurial, little entrepreneurial side to my life that enjoys that sort of thing. And, and it was as if God was saying, it's not that I'm always going to just send money your way, but I'm going to give you uh, a little bit of nous to perhaps be able to create some of that wealth for the purposes of moving the kingdom forward in your own sphere and in your own world. And so they became scriptures to me. Um, when Joe and I first got together, and um, just early on in our marriage, um, the church was in a challenging state, as those of you around at the time would, would know and remember um, probably only too well. And uh, we would often have conversations about what is the direction of our life to be. We were new, newly married. Um, is it time to move on? Is it time to do something else? And sometimes when I would be down, she would be up. And when she was down, I would be up. And we encouraged one another in that way, and that's when the change of name to hope came about. And, and it was during that season that, that God spoke to Joe from Song of Songs, um, chapter 2, with these words. He said, My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, and the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear uh, on the earth, and the season of singing has come. And it, it sort of uh, marked a change of chapter and, and season. And, and since that time, you know, people started to come and join the church and shoots seemed to spring up out of the ground. And it was as if, as if God was just speaking and saying something and reaffirming that, yes, you are right to carry on. Yes, you should continue doing what you're doing. Because sometimes you get to a pivotal point in your life, don't you, when you say, is it time for a change of direction? And that might be to do with geography. It, it might be to do with ministry. It might be to do with work or whatever. And it came as a really confirming um, scripture. 
Uh, and then, this is just the last one that I'm going to share this, this morning. Uh, when we were in the process of getting this building here, which was long and drawn out, and uh, uh, Mary was working with me at the time, and we had our offices in the back of the shop on Varney Road, and it was dark and dismal and terribly, terribly cold um, in the winter, and we had to have three electric heaters on just to keep warm. Um, and it was during that time that we were going through the process of, of trying to build this, and, and it went on not just for months, but for several years. And just the negotiation to buy this place took two years. And um, it was just a long, drawn-out process. Uh, I don't know whether God works like this in your life, but nothing in my life has ever come easy. I don't know whether you can stack with that, but it always seems to be blooming hard. Uh, and then you look at those people where, that seem to be born with a, you know, a silver spoon in their mouth and things just seem to drop their way. You should never be envious of those people, should you? <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And that's why weeks like this are really important because you have to take some of that stuff to God sitting with Jesus, you know. And um, we'd gone through the process of, of this application and we'd, we'd been turned down first time. And second time, I think it was, and then I just felt prompted one day to turn around and there was this lottery file on the back shelf there. And I picked it up again and I made a call to the lottery and they said, I'm pleased that you've called us because you almost got through on the second round and if you make a further submission and make these changes, we think that it will be looked upon favorably. And you think, my God, you know, the importance of turning around on a swivel chair sometimes, because that's what it was turning around on a swivel chair, seeing it, feel prompted, making an action, making a phone call, and this is the result. Which I know sounds simple now, but it didn't feel simple then. But in the midst of that, we were praying, and God dropped these words into my heart from Ezra 6, and I just thought about them again this week. In the first year of King Cyrus... The king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt as a place to present sacrifices and let its foundations be laid. It is to be 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide with three courses of large stones and one of timbers and the costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. And as soon as I read that word, it sort of jumped out at me and thought, this is it, it's going to work because the costs for this place are going to be met by the royal treasury. The lottery fund is, all, is a government sort of based, and I thought, wow, it, it is going to work. I mean, it didn't stop there. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of hours spent in our kitchen with Kaz and Paul and me and Joe working through that application, and, and, and I never thought that applications could be as long as that, um, but they can, and they were. And by God's grace and the help of Sean, a fundraiser, you know, it all came to pass. But when I look back now, I think, gosh, what a, what a foundational scripture that was. How it warmed my heart at the time. And you should always remember these things that God speaks to you. And you should always approach him with the anticipation that he is willing and wanting to speak these things into your heart. Whatever your circumstances and setting um, might be. Two other things come to my mind when I start talking like this. The, the first one was when I was in a really, really dark and difficult place in my life. And I was standing outside a hospital one evening. It was late at night. And it, it was dark and it was dismal. 
and things weren't looking very good. And God spoke into my heart, it is all well, Stephen. It is all going to be well with you. And I spoke to a friend of mine after and explained the situation. And he said, oh, you know, Stephen, you know, you're just making it up. But I want to tell you, when God drops his peace into your heart, it is a peace that does transcend all understanding. And it becomes an integral part of who you are as a person when you allow God to work in that way. There was another time when I was a bit frustrated with the church. You get like that sometimes as a pastor, you know, to be frank. And probably things weren't going as I'd hoped they would. And, you know, I got aspirations to do this and do the other. And, um, you know, and, 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 and I was driving down the road. And I was driving down Farnborough Road here. And I got to the traffic lights at the bottom. There were, uh, just, just at the bottom, there were traffic lights then. Uh, and, and I stopped there. And as I pulled up and stopped, God said to me, Stephen, just get over yourself. It's as clear as that. Just get over yourself. And it gave an amazing perspective on what I should be doing with my life and how I should be approaching things. And I'll never forget that. In the same way that I'll never forget kneeling down by that bed in that Buckling chalet. In the same way that I'll never forget the day that Joe read that, that, those verses to me from Song of Songs. These things become an endemic part of who we are as we seek to journey and follow after Christ. And my encouragement to us all this morning in our own setting, in our own way, Please be open to it. You see, sometimes you may come here and you sit in a building. Sometimes I come here and I sit in a miracle. Because that's how it feels to me. Because it was so hard and so long fought after and so difficult to bring to pass and to make happen. And when I trace back some of the things along the way that did happen to make it happen, I think, I'm not sitting in a building. I'm sitting in a miracle. And I know that Alan and Kay, when they speak about this building, they speak about it in those terms. And they thank God for it every time because for years and years and years, they went and worshipped in a grotty community centre hall over there where beer barrels were rolled out when you were serving communion and it was evident that people didn't want you to be there and then you have this. And you're grateful for it and you're thankful for it and you think that wasn't just a set of circumstances. That was God being at work within a living community to help bring his desires to pass. So Mary and Martha, I say all of that to get us to this place, that when we set a time aside to draw close to God, it is important to think about our posture and the things that we bring into that setting and into that context. So Mary and Martha, they have this interesting relationship as sisters You've got to ask yourself how contentions had arisen between the two of them. It feels like it probably had at different times over the years. 
And now, as adults, there are these difficulties going across. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's in the kitchen making the food. She's feeling resentful because she thinks that Mary should be with her. So she goes and approaches Christ about it. Jesus said to her, only one thing is needed. I wonder how Martha felt at that point. Because she'd gone to Jesus for some level of affirmation to say, yeah, Mary, you go and help Martha. Uh, and Jesus sort of turns it all around and mixes it all up. And it, it becomes incredibly messy. We all have things lurking in our hearts somewhere. And it only takes the right setting, the right circumstances, the right environment to bring them to the surface. We all have a dark side, a side that we don't like to visit, a side that we don't like to think about, a side that causes us to think ill of other people, a side that causes to hold jealousy and envy and bitterness in our hearts. And all that it takes is the right environment, the right set of circumstances, the right conversation, or you may say, the wrong environment, the wrong set of circumstances, and the wrong conversation, and it's there. It's there. And with Martha, it's there. Is it jealousy, envy? What's going off there? Resentment, bitterness. It's all going off in her life. You've got to ask yourself, is she right to feel these things? Is she holding a justified position? Why is Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus when I'm left here to make the dinner? I can't be right. And the story is short, but it's deep. And it follows the story of the Good Samaritan, which is long, but also deep. Because both of these stories are turning natural cultural expectations upon their heads. <coughs> A man who should have been serviced by his own kindred men is left alone to die. And it's a Samaritan, an outsider, who comes along and steps in and fills the gap and brings what's needed to him. Oh, gosh, it's a shocking, shocking parable. How dare Jesus even say it? And here now we have Mary, this woman, who should be out there in the kitchen making the food for the men who has the simple audacity to step in and sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. How dare she do such a thing? Jesus welcomes it as he turns things on their head once again. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Oh, we've not got time to dig into the story, but you can just feel the emotional weight of it. She chosen to make herself a victim in that situation. Do you ever choose to make yourself a victim in a situation? so that you can draw on your own self-pity, 
wallow in your own circumstances. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and you are upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. My question as we draw to a close this morning is, what is the only one thing in your life that's needed this week? If you're going to enter with me and us into a week of learning, a week of listening, a week of just being with Christ, what is the one thing that is needed from you to do that? Is the one thing that you've got to put down the mobile phone and not slip through much through Instagram reels and Facebook? Is it that you've got to get out of the house at some point and go for that walk so that you can just be with yourself and God? Is it that intentional space that you just think, no, I'm not going to be distracted by the TV. I'm not going to be distracted by the washing. I'm not going to be distracted by the cleaning. I'm not going to be distracted by any of those things for the next 20 minutes. I'm going to put myself somewhere else and do the only one thing that is needed. That's your challenge, as it is mine. If you're going to engage with this week in a way that helps you form your spirituality, then the question you will have to answer is, what is the one thing that I need to do at some point to facilitate that happening for me? There's so much more down here that we could talk about, but at one minute to 12, there's little that I should say apart from to encourage you to take the opportunity that a week like this provides and think about the one thing that you can do to get best value out of it by positioning yourself and giving yourself a posture that you wouldn't normally give yourself to allow Christ to come to you and allow you to draw closer to him. I'm not saying go and pray for an hour every day. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm going to say, what is the one thing that now you're thinking about it, you're saying to yourself, I could actually do that. Yeah, I could do that. Young or old, fit or not, there are many things that I can't do, but I could do that. And let me encourage you to do that one thing. And allow that one thing to enable you to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he wants to say to you as we enter and go in and travel into 2023 together. Is that okay? I'll leave that. Let's stand together, should we? And as we stand, this time has gone, and it's 12 o'clock, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together as we are tomorrow and Tuesday and right throughout the rest of the week. I think we got it on the screen. Let's say this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen, my friends. May God bless you. May enrich you through this week. May I urge you again with real sincerity to consider coming to the banquet on Wednesday evening. The um, list will be in the cafe for you to sign up if you'd like to do it that way. But God bless you. Have a great week. And for those of you that have been joining us online, God bless you too. And until we meet like this again next week, may grace and peace be with you.